This is College Hockey Southwest Weekly, the podcast, presented by College Bar and Grill, online at ilovecollege.co. College Hockey Southwest Weekly is also brought to you by OxyPow, M-Drive, and Behind the Mask Hockey. Now here are your hosts, Scott Strandy, and I'm Tom Callahan. Hello, everyone, and welcome in to the final edition of the Frozen Four version of College Hockey Southwest Weekly. Tom Callahan live on the scene here in what is now rainy Buffalo. Um, and Scott Strandy joining us here as well. Scott, the weather held off for most of the weekend. It started raining today in the aftermath, but I guarantee you there are no rain clouds uh, for the University of Minnesota Duluth Bulldogs today. It is all sunshine, rainbows, and championships. Absolutely, and I'll tell you right now, here in Arizona, the sun is shining, and we're headed to a high of about 85 today. So, Oh, that's uh, nice. Good for you. <laughs> <laughs> the sun is shining in Arizona, and a team in Maroon and Goldcom won the uh, the national championship. I, I think we were both hoping it would be another team in Maroon and Gold, but how impressed are you with the entire program at Minnesota Duluth? I, I've been talking about it, obviously, as an alum, and and friends with Scott Sandlin for a number of years. And how did they carry themselves in your opinion all week? Well, it, it's a very good and very professionally run program. You can see that it's pretty apparent. What impressed me most, Scott was on the ice. Uh, UMass never, never had a sniff. Um, and you know, I, I hear Let me put forth an unpopular opinion. Hunter Shepard didn't have to be all that good. Um, I, I think he had a very average tournament, made a couple big saves when he needed to, um, but he didn't have to do anything but make the first save. And I noticed that time and time again, even when it got scrambly, when he was out of position, when he was down and he was out a couple times and pucks were free um, on the other side of the goal mouth, the first sweater, sometimes the second and maybe the third to arrive to that loose puck was always a UMD Bulldog player. and UMass could not find rebounds. They could not generate shots. Um, even on the power play, UMass could not get the puck inside the box. They had to work through the perimeter, and they couldn't generate anything. I was so impressed with the Bulldogs defensively. Um, you know, it, oh, they're going to score some goals just through playing the game and generating some chances, and, and they did. Um, but, I mean, they just smothered. UMass, uh, and and they they smothered all their opponents in this tournament. They never really allowed anyone to get it going offensively all the way through from the round of 16 through the championship game. They gave up a total of, what, three goals in the entire tournament, um, yeah. and you, that's how you win. Scott, I'm an old-school old guy. Defense wins championships for me, and that was the most impressive and singular thing that stood out for me about UMD was their defense. You know what? And I'm going to back you 100% on that. I'm also going to say that this is a team that never gets rattled, no matter what the score is, no matter what the situation is. We saw it on the big five on three on Thursday. They uh, they didn't get rattled. They killed it off. They they gained some momentum back. They put uh, they they put it on their back and they and they got the W. And last night was the same way. It looked like from the very start they took control of the game and they just weren't going to relinquish it. They really did jump on it early. And, and I'll tell you, it was a pretty pro-UMass crowd, although the UMD supporters were loud. 
Um, but it's just an easier drive to get over from Massachusetts into Western Minnesota. But there were still a lot of Minnesota fans there, and, and so I don't want to take anything away from them. Um, they traveled well, saw a lot of different jerseys there. It was a fun event. Uh, I did hear a little grumbling about ticket prices, which maybe that's a podcast for another day for the NCAA. Uh, you know, right. if you want people to pack the building, and I actually thought this was unfair. I, there was a reporter for the Buffalo News who she tweeted out a photo um, of a the upper deck, you know, sections that were still empty. But I guarantee you that photo was taken probably an hour before the game. Gates opened almost two hours before the game. Um, But, you know, you can't do that and then post it 45 minutes later and go, oh, look, the stadium's still empty. I think that's that's garbage. I don't agree with that. It was more full than this photo indicated. However, um, I do think it's not super affordable for families to come to the Frozen Four. Um, You have to buy all the games you have to buy Thursday in order to get Saturday. You have to buy everything in conjunction. And um, I was talking to a friend of mine who lives here in Buffalo, bought tickets. He said, uh, I believe the cheapest seating option was $150 a seat. Um, wow. Yeah. So now I, I haven't researched that. So, you know, take that for what it's worth. But uh, right. let's just say it's even $100. Uh, but if it's $150, if I want to take, say, maybe wife and two kids or maybe a dad and three kids wants to go, that's $600. That's two car payments. That's almost a mortgage payment uh, to right. go to a, a weekend hockey tournament. And I'm not saying it's not good hockey, but the first round and second round of the NHL playoffs don't cost that in some markets. So I just find that to be crazy um, if, well, if that's the case. And not to get off on a tangent on that, because like you said, that is a podcast for another day. But, you know, the whole deal with this is it's single elimination, right? I mean, you, you show up on Thursday night supporting your team and they lose. Unless you're a diehard hockey fan, you probably aren't too interested in coming back on Saturday night. Yeah. When your tickets are locked in. You better hope you can sell them to somebody else or, or want to watch somebody else's team. But, you know, when I looked at the whole thing and, and you know as well as I do, my whole purpose of, of starting this uh this website of ice town hockey southwest and now college hockey southwest weekly was to engage people to add people to grow the game and i think it was important that we show a sign of growth and what it's like and the excitement you know winning the national championship and i just made a comment on twitter that i'm i'm ready to tweet out here shortly that you know umb to me is a is a great program to model yourself after you know, they, they get players, they, they lose players, but they continue to move on. And now we're going to see what ASU can do with uh, the loss of Joey Decord and the loss of some valuable seniors like Anthony Croston, like Jake Clifford, you know, like uh, Dylan Holman, Jacob Stridesburg. And, of course, uh, the guy didn't get to play a lot, but uh, Mr. Rowe, uh, there's, you know, you've got to take a new group of kids now and reform that family all over again. And it seems to be, I know the question that you asked uh, um, Coach Sandlin last night was a great one, and he answered it in about three or four minutes. So he he went into depth as to what, what it takes to get to this level. And, and the challenges that you face every year are unique, no matter what your program is. Um, and as a matter of fact, let's take a break. We'll talk about that when we come back here. 
Um, University of Minnesota Duluth, repeat champions. First time the NCAA has seen repeat champs since 0405 when Denver did it. Scott and I will be right back with more of the College Hockey Southwest Weekly Podcast in just a moment. Hey, Michael here from M-Drive. One of my favorite memories is mountain biking with my dad. Barreling through the woods at full speed, bike tires bouncing off rocks. That was 25 years ago. What's crazy is today at 60, dad still does that. You know, he really made M-Drive for himself. He wanted an everyday supplement that would fuel his drive. Yes, M-Drive supports healthy testosterone, but it's so much more. He built M-Drive to support the body, building strength and energy from the inside out. We take M-Drive every day to fuel our drive with more energy and more strength. I think it's amazing what dad built and amazing what he can still do today. In a lot of ways, he's still the guy from 25 years ago and he's not slowing down. Listen, we'd love for you to try M-Drive too. It's available at Walgreens, Walmart, GNC, Vitamin Shop, or visit mdriveformen.com and we'll give you 20% off your first purchase. Just use the code DRIVE at checkout. Don't let your age beat you. We find your prime with M-Drive. Located across the street from the iconic A Mountain and Sun Devil Stadium and a quick walk from Wells Fargo Arena, College Bar and Grill is your home for the best local craft beer, delicious creative cocktails, tasty food, and Tempe's best atmosphere for Arizona State Athletics. Featuring daily specials and all-you-can-eat wings on Mondays, College Bar and Grill is located at 502 South College Avenue in Tempe, or find them online at ilovecollege.co. OxyPow specializes in the use and applications of dry and wet-based ozone treatments and services for odor removal and chemical-free sanitizing applications. Not only can they make your sports gear smell better, but they also offer products and service applications for residential, commercial, automotive, and anywhere else there's an organic-based odor, bacteria, virus, mold, or fungus you need to eliminate safely, naturally, and with no harmful toxins or residues left behind. Visit them online at oxypow.com. That's O-X-Y-P-O-W.com. Behind the Mask Hockey Shop, celebrating 25 years of exceptional service to the Arizona hockey community. Offering the top brands and an educated staff of hockey players to help you choose the right gear for you. Visit any one of our three Valley locations or check us out online at BehindTheMask.com. Welcome back on the College Hockey Southwest Weekly Podcast. Tom Callahan, Scott Strandy, wrapping it up here. And uh, Scott, as I mentioned, it's a little rainy here in Buffalo, New York, but definitely will not dampen the spirits of the national championship winning Bulldogs. Uh, They're second in a row, I believe third in nine years of a program that, boy, these guys, uh, they've figured out how to put some winning hockey together under head coach Scott Sandlin. And uh, we were talking before the break. I had asked him, I said, what were the challenges? Because each season, again, is unique. What were the challenges coming into this year? And I thought it was interesting how he talked about last year wasn't as big of a problem because they had just lost in the final. So right. you knew the kids coming back were going to be hungry and motivated and we'll show them. And uh, this year, he said the biggest worry he had was he didn't want them to be complacent after having won a national championship and how to keep them going in the right direction. And he managed to do it, managed to keep them going. And it was kind of funny that he said at times they were um, a little quiet in the room, and they had a funny way of showing their determination. He said, which quite frankly pissed him off a little, uh, because he right. he wanted them to be more vocal and more animated. But that's, you know, uh, kudos to him as a coach, though, for recognizing 
that you know sometimes your your team is going to be a quiet burn sometimes they're going to be a, a loud and obnoxious in your face kind of fire and uh his was more the the quiet determination but the results speak for themselves they got it done again yeah i think uh, there's no doubt about it that team you know and i saw that team for the desert hockey classic in late december when they came here and they came here without coach Sandlin, who was with the world juniors, they came without Mikey Anderson, who was with the world juniors. So, I mean, they were missing another couple of players that I think three total went to the world juniors from UMD and Jason Herter took over as the associate head coach. He, he ran that weekend and he kind of mentioned the same thing back then, you know, and he goes, I don't know where we're at. I'm not sure if this team is ready. Uh, if they're going to come out and play hard. But when you got a goaltender who's solid, like uh, like Hunter Shepard, and I mean, the, the guy is just solid. I think they commented last night at the press conference about how quiet he is. He was that quiet when I interviewed him right down here in the desert too. But he's such a solid backstop. Like you said, it's almost like you don't even know he's there, right? But the next thing you know, he's got eight eight wins in NCAA NCAA hockey tournament play. It's pretty impressive. It also helps when you're facing less than 20 shots a night. Uh, I, I was talking with my friend Joe Yurden, who writes for The Athletic, um, and he's based here in Buffalo, and we were talking about it. I, I said, and he laughed, but I mean it. This team, the way they play, reminds me of the mid-'90s Devils. They shut it down yes. in the neutral zone. They clog it up. They've already got three guys back. They break up the rush. They force you wide. If you get the puck in, you're probably not getting it back, um, especially if you dump it in. They just squeeze the life out of you. And it's not the most entertaining uh, style of hockey, but it's effective. And, you know, they end up winning. They get a couple of goals. Um, you know, I made the, the joke last night while we were talking about it. I said, I took a nap during the second period. What happened? And, <laughs> and, and Joe said, you didn't miss anything. So, right. you know, but but that's that's incredible when you consider it's a college hockey team because for young kids to buy into that kind of system and play that disciplined um is not an easy thing. Uh you know, I a lot of times those kids want to, you know, run wild and free and score 100 goals and do all these crazy things, but you know, led by their captain Parker McKay who got the goal scoring going with a beautiful goal on the power play yesterday cut right across the front of the net and uh, flipped a backhander in past Lindbergh to start it all off it was it was just you know the buy-in is complete and they are happy winning and they're a good bunch of kids and and uh really really impressive and uh other goal scorers Mikey Anderson um who the second goal of the game so he got knocked down Scott right on the seat of his pants, out of the offensive zone. And I was I watched him slide. I thought it was unusual. And he's just sitting there on his butt, sliding out towards center ice, gets back up, and instead of going back into the play to his spot at the right point, he cuts towards the slot. Well, all of a sudden, off the cycle on the wall, he must have been lost in space at that point. His um, The winger who checked him just disappeared, must have gone into the pile on that same side on the wall on the right wing. And uh, he just cuts to the slot. Anderson gets fed with a pass. He had a nice screen in front and just, you know, uh, put the puck on net and it went in. And then Jackson Cates gets the late goal to seal the deal. But it was a very complete game where Minnesota took advantage of those breaks, scored when they could. And uh, 
and they didn't allow anything. And again, uh, you know, you talked about Hunter Shepard at the beginning of this whole thing. I mean, he only really had to make the first save. And, and as long as he made the first save, they would swoop in, take care of the rest, and go the other way. Well, I said yesterday in our podcast, I said 2-1 win for the Bulldogs in the opening round, 3-1 second round, 4-1 in the semifinal. I guess we'll take the 3 nothing shutout if you're a Bulldogs fan and, and put it away and, and pack up that second NCAA championship or fly it back, as you say, in the rain. I saw some pictures this morning of the guys loading up. And, you know, one of the things that I think draws my interest to hockey and will tie it back into the, the Desert Southwest growing this program is win, lose, or draw, hockey players always seem to get it. I mean, do you ever hear, you know, talk of college hockey players getting in trouble off the ice? Very seldom. Do you ever hear of, of the guys not wanting to, you know, speak to the media or, you know, all the little things? It's all about growing the game and what a great group of guys. You know, I'm going to roll it over to to the end, the uh, professional ranks and it carries on, doesn't it? I mean, you've seen hundreds of NHL players and the way they carry themselves and, and the way they make themselves available. It, it's a very unique sport, that term I can use. Yeah, it, you know, yesterday I was struck. Kale McCarr um, took his shoulder pads off, but when he came to the podium, he had his UMass jersey on, and he was asked about that, if there was any significance. And, um, you know, he, he was emotional about it, and he said, I don't want to take the jersey off. It means a lot, and you could tell McCarr was very proud of what he's helped build at UMass um, and and where that program has come from. Five wins two years ago to appear in a national title game, and it stings to lose. Uh, but it was interesting. They dismissed the players uh, during the press conference. The coach starts with remarks, then the players are there, then they dismiss the players after questions for the players, and they let the coach talk again. And after they had left, Coach Carville was talking about Mackay, or, or sorry, he was talking about yeah. Get get my Mackay. Talking about Mackay too. <laughs> yeah, it just, yeah, it's funny. He was talking about you know all these all these similar names. So anyway, um, but he was so he was talking about not expecting him to come back, um, and you know, and Mackay didn't say anything when he was up there, um, but it's you know widely assumed okay he's won the Hobie Baker, he's been there. Uh, three years. He's probably not coming back. And you know, coach, you could see like coach was was looking off and kind of down and reflecting as he was answering. Um, and you know, just talking about what a great person he is outside of athlete and hockey player, but just a great person he was to have in the room and have around the program, and what he meant to you know, having guys stick around and he doesn't expect him back. He he knows full well that he's probably going to the National Hockey League. He's going to turn pro after this year. But Scott, um, you know, to the point of and, and to loop it all back to Arizona State, um, those are the kinds of kids that you want to see in that room as well. And I think Coach Powers has a good handle on that kind of thing. And I think he's going about building his team the right way, recruiting the right way. Um, and, and it shows what UMass could do and how fast UMass was able to turn around with the right group of kids. And we've kind of seen it with Arizona state on the rise this year. I think that it finally kicked in, uh, and I think it only means success going forward. You know, I totally agree. I'm going to wrap it back up again with, um, a tie into ASU, but when I look at a guy like a leader like Parker McKay, when I look at a leader 
like uh, Kale McCarr, and I see what Brinson Pashnak brings to this team. He's that same kind of a leader. He's that same kind of a player. I mean, if ASU had been playing in this Frozen Four tournament, I could have very well have seen Brinson Pashnak be the Parker McKay that took that that role of scoring the first goal and leading his team. So I think that that's in position here at ASU. He's going to be a senior next year. He's going to be a, a second-year captain. He's uh, got aspirations of playing again at another level. But, you know, that's what it's all about is bringing somebody in like that who is going to keep the group together, I think. And he's going to take the young guys that come in this year. They're going to have five or six new guys, no doubt about it, that are going to have to step up. And, you know, as I watched the progression of Arizona State through the year, a couple of guys that stood out to me were um, – First of all, the kid from from Arizona, um, I'm drawing a blank now, the, the freshman, he comes in um, this year. He's made big strides defensively, right? He had a little taste to play a couple of times this year, but he's going to be a, a guy that's going to step up. Some of the young freshmen that are coming in are, are goal-scoring guys, which they really need. So I think the future is bright for Arizona State. I do want to also throw out as I look at the final stats from the end of March, regular season pretty much, and the first round of the playoffs, Johnny Walker holds the uh, the top spot as goals scored per game at .72. So when you look at that list, I don't see anybody else from any of the top the top teams in that, that category, but Johnny Walker's there at .72. So I think what hurt him in the, uh, in the Hobie was obviously getting hurt. But then secondly, um, not having the assist numbers. Like when you look at Kale McCarr, he did both, right? He put the puck in the net and he set up his teammate. Yeah, and you know, Scott, so you inspired me to go look at the roster here. And so here's a list of just the freshmen and sophomores on this year's team. Freshman, Connor Stewart. Connor so- Stewart, that's what I'm thinking about. Yep. That's what I'm thinking about, Connor Stewart. Kavito Jansen, sophomore. Uh, Jacob Wilson, sophomore. Johnny Walker, sophomore. Um, let's see here. Redshirt freshman, uh, Gage Mackey, redshirt freshman, Austin Lemieux, true freshman, Jordan Sandu, sophomore, Philip Bunces. Uh, let's see. Uh, Peter Zong was a redshirt period this year. Uh, didn't see him at all. Uh, Demetrius Kumenzis, freshman, Josh Maniscalco, right. freshman, PJ Morocco, freshman, uh, Max Balanson, sophomore. And so all these guys, Evan DeBrower, the goaltender that we talked about, was a freshman this year. Uh, Mike DePhillips, sophomore. Uh, Dom Garcia was a sophomore this year. And Jared Gourley, the huge bulking defenseman, freshman. So that's a team. I mean, I just rattled off a bunch of names for a bunch of guys who... uh, You're going to get at least another year or two out of most of these guys. uh, And... Uh, there's well, more I, coming behind them. I was just going to say, keep in mind who's who's coming up here is that there is um, there's nobody drafted currently other than Demetrius Kumanzis. So that, that you know that can change, but there's nobody drafted besides Kumanzis that's that's coming up. So it's um it's a bright bright future. I know you lose Joey Decor, but. You know, you're going to lose a goaltender every now and then. you got to rebuild just like UMD did. How, how big a loss was Hunter Miska? And he lost in his NCAA championship game. But Hunter uh, Shepard steps right in and, and takes control of it, right? So it's, uh, 
pretty impressive. I'm looking forward to uh, what the summer brings and, and more importantly, what, what this year has done to build the program in a way that they're going to be ready for next season. Well, right now, this uh, Arizona State team has a chance to rest and rebuild over the summer and recruit. Now everybody's attention will turn to recruiting here. And so, uh, Scott, I know we're going to be talking about it over the summer here. Uh, we'll be placing a wrap on the college season. Um, the National Hockey League is into the playoffs. There's no playoffs for pro hockey in Arizona. However, uh, the Golden Knights are locked in a battle with the San Jose Sharks, and I know you're going to have some continuing coverage there too. Do you want to talk about that a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I commented uh, two weeks ago when I was up in Vegas about, boy, I sure hope this team gets their mojo back because their team on paper is better than it was uh, in the past it, the, the past season. And they took them all the way to the Stanley Cup final. But they did that a lot, I think, Tom, on emotion and skill. This year, it's a lot of skill. And uh, the motion just didn't seem to be there. Um, I think what they found out on the opening night in in uh, San Jose was that San Jose came in with an attitude. They wanted to uh, show that they're, I mean, it all started in the, uh, in the national anthem, that the Golden Knights fans usually scream out the word night, right? Um, during the anthem. Well, what San Jose fans did is they didn't want that to happen in their arena. So they booed and it took, <laughs> it took a lot, a lot of energy from people going like, you just booed the national anthem. Well, you know what? They uh, they were trying to show some emotion, and uh, I think the Golden Knights guys woke up. I think they feel like they they need to do something now and stand up and protect the as I like they protect the fortress. So we'll find out tonight. They uh, they came out strong. They they scored three goals in the first period, only to give up three goals. But then after that, they shut things down and they win five three in game two. So it's a one one series headed back to Vegas. I'm on my way up there today. And uh, we'll have coverage from uh, practice and the games and all the pageantry that, that it is in Vegas uh, when it's playoff time. Well, it's just a, a long way for us to say, <laughs> stay tuned. There's more to come. Um, <laughs> exactly. At IcetimeHockeySW.com. So, and I want to take this opportunity to say thank you, Scott, to you uh, and and everybody associated with the website and everybody who's done a great job this year. And, uh, you know, Terry does a great job behind the scenes. and. Um, I'm just thankful for the opportunity and, and having been here for the ride this year and, and you know, really appreciated getting to cover uh, hockey on all fronts um, with Ice Time Hockey SW and College Hockey Southwest Weekly. It's been a lot of fun. I no longer juggled the name. Now here we are at the end of the year. It just flows <laughs> off the tip of my tongue, so I've got it nailed down. And uh, But, no, thank thank you to you uh, and, and everybody else. We, we had a very talented team of people working with us this year, and, and – you know, the Stanley Cup playoffs are not over. Uh, the Calder Cup playoffs are just about to begin, although, as I mentioned, there's nothing for pro, ho pro hockey in Arizona. Uh, but there will certainly be news um, as things yes. move along yeah. over the summer. And let's hope that it's news on the on the player front and the team front and not about a building and, and move, moving out of the state again. But you know what? Until this thing finally gets settled once and for all, that's always going to be a talking point, right? I mean, I don't think the uniforms were were hung and dried yet from the uh, the coyotes thing when somebody broke that out again that there was a, a new owner coming in again for the coyotes we we all know they're for sale i mean that's public knowledge but how's it going to happen is the new owner the majority owner going to come in is he going to have deep pockets is he going to be able to put a team out there is he going to be able to find another arena that's 
that's closer, you know. I mean, we lost a couple of them uh, opportunities. I thought that the opportunity to when they revamped the downtown um, Talking Stick Resort Arena uh, would have been a great opportunity. That's gone. So now where do they go? You know, and let's hope that it's the season off season of hockey and not that type of discussion. But I'm fully prepared that that could very well be what it is. Well, no matter how it pans out, keep it pointed to IcetimeHockeySW.com. We'll keep you posted on all that. And uh, as I say, Scott is going to be up in Las Vegas and covering the Golden Knights Sharks series. And Scott, I hope you've got a lot more series after that to cover with the Golden Knights. But uh, we'll see. At the very least, I think this one's going to be a long one. Yeah, I think you're probably right. It's uh, we'll know. I think we'll know Sunday night if the, if the, the Knights come out and destroy them like I think they are capable of. Um, I mean. I've never seen a guy join a team at, at the trade deadline like Mark Stone and actually fit better. And now we're talking about the, the leading score in the KHL has arrived in Vegas, I believe, last night in Nikita Gusev. And uh, when he comes in, um, what's he going to bring? Is he going to come right out there? I mean, he's been likened to that of uh, a young Alex, a younger Alex Ovechkin, not necessarily young, but is, is he going to get in the lineup? Is he going to provide some spark? Is that going to be the emotional thing that they need to uh, to replicate last year, if you will? Well, all questions that remain to be seen, but will indeed play themselves out here in due course. So that's it for our uh, Frozen Four edition of College Hockey Southwest Weekly. And once again, the uh, University of Minnesota Duluth Bulldogs repeat champs, and they win 3 nothing over the UMass Minutemen in UMass's first Frozen Four and national title appearance. So for Scott Strandy, I'm Tom Callahan. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll talk to you again soon.